Hello and welcome to the Soundworks Collection video series. I'm Michael Coleman and this week I'm so excited to have my friend and sound connoisseur. I don't know. There's, I don't know what the right name is to uh, describe uh, today's guest, which is uh, Dallas Taylor from, uh, you might know him, you might know his voice, you might know maybe uh, a little about him. Um, he's the host and the creator of 20,000 Hertz, one of my favorite sound related audio music podcasts. He has uh, created this great series, 20,000 Hertz. Please check it out, which is now um, the big announcement was that it's now part of the TED family of uh, podcasts. And I'm so happy to have uh, Dallas on the podcast today. So Dallas, thank you so much for, uh, for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. It's been, it's been a while. It's, it's been a while, 2020, forward slash, when is this over? Yeah, totally. I, I can't wait. But this, this is beautiful. It, it's, it's almost like we're together. Yeah, yeah it was. Like, um, just catching up, um, gosh, how has this year been for you? What have you been up to? Which seems like a lot. Um, I've obviously been following your podcast very closely and de facto sound. Your sound studio has been ever busy, busy as ever. So yeah, how has this year been for you? Yeah, so on the de facto sound front, <clears throat> we were really concerned uh, when when COVID hit, obviously. Um, there was definitely like a decline and everyone kind of clinched down a little bit. What I found out was uh, kind of through that process is it seemed like the partners that we were working with already just kind of got closer to us in general. Like everyone kind of gravitated toward what they were comfortable with. And um, luckily, uh, we, we have some some really great partners that are, that are pretty busy. Uh, so on the de facto sound side front, if you don't know what that is, uh, we do sound design uh, and mixing for advertising primarily. So advertising, commercials, promos for networks, um, trailers, uh, game trailers, uh, documentaries, stuff like that. And, um, and so, so nowadays, like the stuff that we're most busy on are things like, uh, car spots or like, uh, I think last week we did like 38 Netflix trailers and, uh, we do a bunch of HBO stuff and, um, mainly kind of shorter type of things. And so when, so everything was kind of ramping, 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 March hit, and it was just like kind of everyone kind of clinched up for a second. Mm -hmm. And then there was probably like a month a month and a half and then and then I think everyone started to realize oh okay like people really 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 want content right now and then it just really like crescendoed to the end of the year so at the moment um we're busier than ever knock on wood um so that's going pretty well and then on the de facto side or I'm sorry on the 20,000 hertz side um which are kind of like one in the same because we all do it out of the same out of the studio but yeah. they've kind of this is kind of this podcast has kind of taken on a, a life of its own um that's been really good um so yeah we've kind of uh done some of our biggest flagship episodes and grown um throughout the year uh we again like we the podcast kind of was growing 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 and then we kind of like at the moment, like we kind of tapped like a hundred thousand subscribers, and then it like COVID hit. No one started walking or driving or commuting, and it like dipped down by like twelve point five percent. And then kind of over the rest of the year, it just kind of all grown, grew so back. So you, 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 so you saw a dip because of people's just kind of like the focus was elsewhere. Or? Right. Well, I think because hmm. so many people consume podcasts on their commute. Oh sure, uh, yeah. That's that's I'm one of those twelve and a half percent apparently. Uh, mm -hmm. So when people are not in the car uh, or uh, when they're not walking to the train or taking the train, uh, they that, that habit has kind of been broken. And so I think people are a little bit more choosy about 
yeah. audio content on a podcast front of what they want to consume. And so we saw, and kind of all of my colleagues in this space kind of saw this similar podcast decline. And then now it's kind of like crept back up and now we're kind of, you know, back to where we were and, and, and above that now. Um, but kind of along the way, we've done some of the, uh, we've wanted to make shows that were just releases from the current, the current events. So we never talk about COVID or anything because sound is evergreen and it's in all the shows we do are kind of like timeless uh, on purpose. And uh, yeah, so we've, we've, we've weathered it pretty well. That's awesome. So for you, how would you describe your managing of wearing your various hats, but going between de facto and 20,000 Hertz? How do you describe your team on both fronts? Is, is there a blend of both? Like, how do you manage everyone? Yeah, so um, so de facto came first. I started that 11 years ago, and um, now we're up to seven full-time people. So we have four sound designers, a uh, producer, um, and uh, me that I, I kind of operate as the creative director. And then we have Casey, who's our new kind of story editor that works for de facto and for 20,000 hertz. Um, as a copywriter, story editor, kind of getting these shows in, in some sort of good shape. Um, so, so what I do most of the time during the day is kind of like creative direct, uh, if you will. So I'm, I'm reviewing uh, uh, like spots and, and stuff kind of all day figuring out like, oh, how can we kind of maximize this or maximize that? Um, so I'm, I'm kind of bouncing between having creative calls and creative conferences with uh, directors and writers and producers uh, over on the de facto front, um, kind of overseeing, I guess, kind of supervising the internal uh, stuff to make sure that it's at the, the top level. We, we operate pretty uniquely over there. Uh, everything is super um, collaborative over on the de facto side. Uh, one of the things that I kind of left uh, working for other companies internally for was this idea that we could bounce around uh, the this piece, these content to each other a lot. So pretty much like every piece of content we do over there, it all it does it's it's bounced around the entire studio creatively and then eventually kind of comes to me for kind of the in-house client. So I kind of operate as that. Over on the 20,000 Hertz side, it's kind of spinning into its own universe. Um, since we're fully ad supported on that side. And um, initially it, it, we felt it, I felt it very much just like as a connection with de facto, but just over the years, it's kind of just decon, like deconstructed from, from, from that. Although we still use the de facto side for like finishing and the highest end sound design over mm -hmm. on the 20,000 Hertz side, we work with um, eight to 10, uh, eight to 10, maybe 12 freelance writers a year. Uh, who are who are kind of taking certain topics uh, that we want to we want to do, and then they'll kind of take the ball and run with it for six weeks. And they may conduct some of the interviews. I may pop in on an interview. Uh, I'm kind of orchestrating how they uh, kind of the direction I want to go. And then we have those people. Um, you know, we kind of go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth with the writing. Uh, we do table reads and stuff, and then eventually it kind of comes internally. I send it to an external sound editor. Then we kind of spin it up in audio and, and de facto but that side is like every show we do is like 250 hours plus of of people work for like a 20 minute show which is just wild and we put it out so, every two weeks so you're having fun still oh absolutely especially yeah um it was a way like the the podcast was like a way to get our internal team really thinking like clients uh mm -hmm. there's a lot of reasons that i did the podcast but it really gave all of these sound designers an opportunity to be the creative and have no real 
client other than me. And we're kind of working together to try to uh, work things out. But there is no like organization that we have to pass or, or pass it along to. It's just like when we're happy with it, it's, it's done. Yeah. I'm going back to the very first episode, number one, the, the voice of Siri. Um, when was that? What, what year was it around? It was November 1st, 2016. So the week, the week of the election yeah. in 2016, <laughs> which is easy so to for, remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 at that point, I remember, I, I very clearly remember the first time we met in person, it was in San Francisco, I believe at GDC. Um, and I'm so happy that you reached out and like we had a chance to meet in person and you were like asking me like, so a few questions just about like podcasting and stuff. I'm like, dude, like do it. Like if you have stories to tell, I think if you have a voice, which a voice of your own, I feel like there's so much space and need for these types of stories. I mean, when you right, first started yeah. um, 20,000 Hertz, like what was the reason? What was, what, 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 like, what did you see that you're like, oh, I want to do this now? I saw from being a sound designer in the industry and having such close friends who are sound designers in the industry, I saw like, I think anybody who is a sound designer or was going to resonate with this. There's such intense passion for this industry. Like we love sound design. We love crafting sound. We love like the stories and the lore, you know, when we're talking about simple things like telling you know, uh, a family member, how, like what Foley is or something. It just blows people's mind. And, you know, kind of telling someone that like, oh, that sound took a year to make, even though it's three seconds long. Or, um, you know, really, we have this like really respectful community to each other and, and just such a, such a passion for that. But I feel like the, like we, we do a great job of inspiring each other and kind of talking to ourselves. I don't think the sound design bubble does a really great job of communicating how cool this is to the rest of the world. So there's this big knowledge gap between what we do as sound designers and what like the rest of the world is like has, has as their interpretation of us. Of us. So I felt like the, the need was is we needed to get this out there. And so if I can tell a quick, like, you know, quick little story here, mm -hmm. um, kind of to boil it down, you know, we have five core human senses. We have our sense of sight and we are very visual creatures. And we all know working in this industry, how much everyone loves what they see, uh, loves the picture. You know, that's, that's, you know, so much focus on that. And sometimes sound can seem to take a backseat to that. But we're visual creatures. You can't really look anywhere in your periphery, you know, here in my studio, your place, anybody who's watching this, you can kind of look in any direction and there's nothing that's not designed by a human because we love our sense of, of, of you know, sight. And But you don't have to be like a visual file to be allowed to make it look cool. We have our sense of taste, uh, which, uh, you know, we curate all day long. You know, sense of visuals we curate, sense of taste we curate. Uh, we know what we like. We know what we dislike. Um, we have our sense of touch, uh, which we curate. Again, you don't have to be back here. You don't have to be a, a, a taste-a-file or a chef to know what you like and what you dislike. You just, as a human, know these things. Um, you have your sense of touch, uh, where you, uh, you know, are the, what, the chairs that I'm sitting in, the, the furniture, my clothes. If I have a headache, I take ibuprofen. If, uh, if it's too hot, I, I put the air conditioner on. If, I, if it's too cold, I put the heat on. But you don't have to be like a, like a touch-a-file in order to know, like, to be able to curate that. And then we have our sense of smell, which uh, soaps and shampoos and like sewage and all kinds of things. Like if something smells bad, we curate it out. We don't have to be like a professional 
uh, smell person in order to make that decision. But when it comes to sound, we like culturally, we think of sound as music. And music is awesome. But the vast majority of the world, of the sonic world, is not music. And so I feel like we, as maybe our sound ancestors, have set up a real barrier with this term like audiophile, or mm-hmm. like you're not really allowed to question or work with sound creatively unless you have, you know, check all these boxes of, of audiophilism or, or things like that. So we have not done a great job of being inclusive uh, to creatives or normal people. And I felt like that's been the big gap. And so I wanted to make something that was designed where every single show was just this beauty and majesty of our industry and what we love so much. But it's told in a way where it cannot, where anyone, whether it's your grandmother or your four-year-old daughter, can get something from that and really mm-hmm. feel like they're part of it. And like, oh, like I've, I've, I've unlocked another aspect of this human sense that I, I never realized was there. And so that's really like the mission and the inspiration of why I felt this was important. That's awesome. That's the thing we I think we forget is um, I remember obviously like getting into college, studying audio and just being so green, not having any concept of, you know, any of the fundamentals. And then as you start to progress, you start to forget like the rest of the world kind of like they don't progress with you just because you know something doesn't mean like the right. rest of the world is is conscious of, of all these you know, sound fundamentals and all the, you know, all the aspects of it. Um, and in other you know, senses, you know, you know, think of food channels and stuff. They do like the the people yeah. who, who think about taste, they do a great job of including people in and going, oh, you know, you can try this thing or, you know, here's eggs 50 different ways. Like you're welcome to try it. And so I'm kind of like trying to do a little bit of that super happy, like inclusive, like you're all a part of this story but with just the sound aspect. And we do music shows too, but we really stick yeah. with about 80% that's non-music. Yeah, I, I think of, you know, some of the other coming up, coming into mind here is like Song Exploder, obviously, you know. Big very, inspiration. Yeah, yeah, a very popular one that's focused solely on music. But then I think like when you were starting out 20,000 Hertz, it was like you had the Voices Siri, the NBC Chimes, 8-Bit Sounds, Mystery Hum, The Sound of Extinction. That was 2016, that was your first year. And then from there, it's just like you went into the deep end for like just all sorts of like odds and ends like there there was no i i think there was no kind of limitation to the types of stories that you wanted to tell so if like how much how much influence does the show or i guess how much of your own influence does like the episodes when you're picking out which ones to go to or how much is it kind of like the world around you other other collaborators and your audience do you listen to when people are suggesting topics to cover well, the interesting thing is you kind of, you see how it, you just explained that and like you kind of started with Siri and then the NBC chimes and you did this and then you kind of just went off the deep end. And I love how <laughs> you said that because what I've found as somebody yeah. who's, who would consider, I would consider myself an expert in the industry. Um, mm-hmm. I know it very well. I lead a creative company. I've, I've done it for a really long time. But the thing that I, I've also realized because, you know, sound community stays very tight I've also realized that like in our sound design world or just kind of audio post-production world or even film extension, it's only scratching the surface of how many aspects of sound there were. So I went in green thinking, oh, I'm the sound designer who's going to tell sound design stories. And then along the way, I learned about audiology and I learned Mm -hmm. about linguistics and I learned about all kinds of things that was just like, wow, I never knew how much these other things could influence 
design. And I never knew how much design could influence linguistics or audiology or all of these are neuroscience. And so that's how you kind of saw the show has kind of, we have a really wide dynamic range of where things go. And that's on purpose. I want one show to maybe be, you know, serious and, and emotional and maybe about neuroscience where another one might be about um, the, you know, like the, the Netflix sound or something sure. like I or want THX, these kinds, you know, right. Or THX, which we did a two part series on. Yep. Uh, but as far as influences, the biggest influences for, for me was I was an early radio lab listener that really opened my eyes to how sound could be used in a sound only medium and be effective. Mm-hmm. So Jad, Am- Jad Abumrad is one of the best sound designers in the world, <laughs> uh, even though he doesn't consider himself necessarily that, but, uh, I've been more inspired as a sound designer, um, uh, I've been just as inspired by Jad Abumrad as I have the the best in the industry. Yeah. Um, secondly, 99% Invisible, uh, Roman Mars was the first person that I really noticed romanticizes design. Um, like that, I had started my business shortly before uh, I started hearing uh, 99% Invisible. And when I heard 99% Invisible, I, I realized, wow, there's a real emotional attachment to design. How could I make that um, sound related? How could I, how could I make like a romantic a company that feels like it like it loves sound on just all fronts. Um, the third is Song Exploder, uh, massive, massively impactful because just the whole idea of just taking a little thing and just exploding everything. So I think a lot about that as our show as well, except we're kind of doing it with sounds and we've kind of found our own legs uh, specifically on how uh, how we explode these sounds. But there's a lot of other other uh, since then. There's a lot of great inspirations. Every little thing, Flora Lichtman. We have um, even just like the the kindness of of of. Uh, like, I like like Starly Kine. I like there's so mm-hmm. many like great inspirations since then. But those are that's that's kind of like the lineage of where um, where twenty thousand hertz was kind of uh, born out of. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Every now and then, I see like on social media platforms, someone will ask a question. Oh, what's what podcast are you listening to? What show have you been digging into lately? And I'm always pleasantly surprised. They're just like, just when you think you've heard and seen everything, there's there's more content, more stories popping up, which to me is just the wonderful platform for you know of a podcast. It's really shown that like, you know, there's no reason that we can't have a fully podcast or a production audio podcast or a right. sound design yeah. podcast or you know whatever people want to do and it's really exciting because i remember early early versions of you know the community online community was a like a yahoo message board um where like you know everyone would go and like like post their message and then like you'd come back and like it was like you know questions about production and like it was very early internet and the amount of um connectivity was kind of limited to like a message board and then obviously as social media has gone better now we're seeing, you know, sound reels and and sound libraries being shared and obviously like a whole industry right. has grown out of out of it. Like what to you is the most exciting aspect of being in the podcast space? Because I, I think you've kind of shown since 2006, you know, quality and quantity, I'd say like on a consistent basis. It's not it's not just one or the other. I think you've done both really well. Um, what to you has been, you know, kind of that the sweet combination of, of navigating, you know, producing a podcast that evidently a lot of people are interested and uh, excited to, you know, vi- visit. Well, I felt a burden to make sure if it was going to be kind of like the, you know, now it feels like it's very much a leader in this space. I feel a burden to make sure it sounds the best it possibly can. And so I want to be a benchmark for that. Uh, we take it very seriously. Um, you know, even though we, I talk a lot really about the content, we take the, take the audio quality 
um, seriously. Um, the other aspects, uh, I don't know, like I love like the community and the aspect, like I'd love to like solicit the audience. Like I really want to tell just when you were talking about like the, the message forums and stuff, it just reminds me of like the whole Bryce Carrington saga when Mm. we were, when we were kind of growing up and like, I want to tell that story, not in like a mean way. I just want to tell it because it was just such a wild experience, but I can't, I can't get it. Like it's all, it's all wrapped up in the sound world. Um, I don't even know the details of it, but, (laughs) but yeah. So like, I love that, like we can, um, I don't know, like I love like the community aspect of it. I love like helping each other and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't know. Um, the other thing that's really interesting about, uh, our show is I think that a lot of people have this misunderstanding. It's just like, how many sound stories are there? Right. And it's infinite. It's infinite. Like with now with us finding our own, uh, stories, um, ourselves plus the audience the listeners plus just like twitter facebook uh the audio community uh we have something like 500 shows that are just sitting there kind of waiting to be done it's just whatever kind of what we want to do uh we can do whatever we want and so that's really like uh encouraging and also just like things change so often that in a year from now or two years from now the world's going to sound different than it does now like yeah Famous sounds come and go. I mean, net, the Netflix audio logo, boom, like that's mm-hmm. a really young sound. Yeah, it is like one of the most quintessential sonic brands in the entire world by far. Yeah. Um, and I love that aspect that just like the world is always changing sounds. So there's always going to be sound stories. And so, yeah, I think that that I think the biggest joy for me is just finding out how deep this rabbit hole goes. It's just an endless well of mm. content. Mm. Um, are there any unexpected things that have come out of, you know, I, I remember the first time I had, a, um, you know, a director or a recording mixer or supervisor reach out to me and say, Hey, would you be interested in doing X covering X project? Um, and, and for me, I don't know. I was just like, I, I was like, I'm just operating in like my studio. I, like, I don't really think of like, Oh, this is, re- this is being received by hundreds, thousands, you know, potentially millions of people over the course yeah of the series, um, what was maybe one of that, re- that really early on things that was just kind of like, oh my God, like this is real, this is this is happening? Well, it was funny because we put out our first episode and I think that like, I don't know, 200 people heard it or something. I got mm-hmm. like, I could see my stats and I was like, oh, okay, all my friends, you know, listen to it, awesome. They're being very nice. And then the second episode came out and it was like 300 people and I was like, wow, okay, 100, you know, <laughs> yeah. 100% increase here. But between the second and the third episode, I happened to bump into Roman Mars, who's the host of 99% Invisible. And we had known each other uh, similarly mm-hmm. uh, because I met up with him at a GDC really early when he was like his first season of 99% Invisible. I was, I was okay. out at GDC and I was like, hey, Roman, let's get together and just meet. And he was kind enough to do that. So we've been kind of keeping in touch. So I bumped into Roman Mars between the, our second and third episode, and he was so kind. He was like, I really love what you're doing. Do you Would you mind if I played your last episode last week on 99% Invisible? Which and episode was a, that? The, the NBC Chimes. Oh, the NBC Chimes. The whole so story you, behind it. So your that. second episode, right? Okay. Second episode. Yep. Yep. So like the one I had just put out, he listened to it, and he was like, do you mind if I play that next next time or on, wow. on, on my show? And so I went from like 200 to like 300 to like the day I put out the third episode, it was just like straight hockey stick up. Yeah. And it was like, I've never seen any sort of like viral aspect of anything in my actual life, but it was pretty interesting because it was just like so many people started reaching out so suddenly and it was Mm. wild. And so then the, the, I think from that point it was like up to like 50,000 listeners, like almost immediately. 
and then all these other things started like NPR got really involved. I started talking to all these different podcast networks about joining. Um, I work in the advertising space, so it never really felt right to join them because they were always like, we'll yeah. sell your ads. And I was like, I think I can yeah. sell my own ads. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So it jumped up. And then just since then, it's just been like a steady, steady increase. And so the thing that I've learned is just like, there's a real thirst for how cool you, all that stuff that we love about being sound designers and, and mm-hmm. thinking about sound all the time people want to know about it. Like, I mean, I think you, you definitely know that, especially with like these amazing videos over the, over the course of the, I mean, I would say that, how could I not even say that bring up that like Soundworks collection is not a huge inspiration to this show too, because Because you were like on the, (laughs) you were on the forefront. No, you were on the forefront of showing how cool this industry was well before I was. And, um, and I remember just like, those are the, like the, the, those are like the, golden egg of like how beautiful this industry is and and, and what we do. And so I wanted to kind of take that lineage and, and, and move on and and keep working. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I do remember when, um, I do remember that story. I remember, I don't know if you had told me or maybe you'd post about it online when you connect with Roman. And, um, so like, when did you kind of, I mean, at that point, were you able to manage both de facto and 20,000? Because like when I, I remember asking you like, Oh, how long, What's your workflow? How long does it take you from conception of writing and recording and producing? And and I, I was just thinking like, oh, I had no idea. It took so much time, and that and, and the yeah. the lead time too that you have, you know, usually like when you say you have a list of a few hundred ideas, whatever, like you know, how far out you're programming. So, you know, I guess like the question I want to ask is like, how do you manage it all? <laughs> like like because like I'm I'm busy just alone as myself like with my client work so you know I, I try to fit in Soundworks collection like in between and like you know during award seasons or other like really high t- um, really busy times you know I'll, I'll I'll like pivot a little bit and like moonlight yeah. a lot more but yeah how do you describe that? People really great people around okay. me. Um, I work really hard. I mean the thing that I work the hardest at is finding uh, the thing that I work the hardest at is finding the right people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we have an unbelievably uh, stringent um, hiring situation. I don't know if anybody goes as stringent, like as strict as we do. We there's yeah. so many hoops to jump through. They're all appropriate, um, including I think the last uh, like not this last uh, thing that came or not the last job that came out, but the one before it. I remember we the people who finished the th- finished the application. There were a thousand applicants. Um, wow. And and just how many steps from a thousand to get to one, uh, we, involving the entire team. We have blind auditions. I came from like the classical music world, so I <laughs> really put a lot of focus on the on the reels. I love number that, yeah. one. Um, hindsight being twenty twenty, I think our next job that comes out will be real only. It'll be real and email address okay. because we really don't look at anything other than that. Um, and so the so, so even the last job that we put out recently, um, so over six thousand people started the application. But there's a lot of like, hey, do you have this or like, do you have access to this? Usually that didn't bump you out, but there were certain aspects that was like a hey, this isn't quite right situation. Mm-hmm. But really, it comes down to um, raw talent. Like, um, okay. I could care less if someone has gone to school. I could care less <laughs> yeah, yeah. if, I mean, I just want to see, I just want to be impressed. And then we do put weight on like, if someone's brand new and green, you know, we're not going to compare that to someone with 10, 15 years. Like we're going to, we, we can understand like what the talent level is. Yeah. But I think, uh, to answer the question, like finding, working very hard to find amazing people and that pays off 
exponentially later. I don't love like I've I've hired in the past where it's just like, oh, you walked in the door, you're showing initiative, here's a job. Like that doesn't right, yeah, seem congratulations, to work out. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so like I've I've got I've made it to where my biases are are cut out of the situation. It's very important that like that that the whole team is involved. Uh, we're very talent focused. Um, we kind of have an idea. It's kind of like three prongs here. It's like how much experience do you have real and an email address? And then that kind of like gets um, uh, kind of pushes through. So yeah, all of that to say is just like the the talent level, the writers, um, the producers that I'm that I'm working with, the sound designers at DeFacto. Um, it, they're amazing. I, I mean, yeah. I'm biased, but uh, it's, yeah, yeah, I can do it because they all care so much about mm. both de facto sound and 20,000 hertz. Yeah. So, so for anyone who is, you know, thinking like, what is I, I love seeing this question. I mean, it, it never ends. It's always a question that gets out there, which is like, oh, what do you submit? What do you show? Um, you know, how do you present yourself in the best way when it comes to sound? Do I redesign someone's pre-existing clip? Do I show my own stuff? For you, what what kind of catches your attention? What what stands out? I think the most the easiest thing that that is always like okay that stands out is um, when somebody redesigns game trailers or gameplay. There's so much sonic opportunity there um, mm-hmm. that that's that's usually like the first place I go. If you don't know what to do, go redesign a game trailer of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, I also we also look a lot for like nuance like so we don't necessarily look for just like guns 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 and action 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 we're looking for like how you can deal with subtlety as well mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily limit it to what um I mean I I've put there like you have 30 seconds to impress us in any way but it has to be audio or visuals mm-hmm. up to you and so there's been some really creative things like I had uh, we were so impressed with this one person i don't i think they were like in bulgaria or something mm-hmm. um they had a they had a pretty good reel but they like customized it to us like all the oh, they did okay. all the vocalizations and they like were literally like pulling clips from the podcast but in on top of all this amazing sound design and we were so impressed by this um so i think that the thing is is just like if you're trying to get in it's it's really the work uh at the end of the day like yeah. and i think and we will hire someone who like straight, like it's, it's purely talent based. And, um, I don't really care about pro tools. I don't really care about anything. I want to see like how talented you are. And then the second thing is just like meshing with the team, how kind Mm -hmm. and, um, engaging, uh, because the other thing too, is I have to be able to put this person in front of, you know, a network executive who, yeah. uh, who in a whim could take away our business, which then we could lose people. So they can't a lot be a monster. Like... They, yeah. They can't be a monster. They can't be right. Yeah. A jerk. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, thinking about all the work, the sound work that you have done, the, the thing that I mentioned before, which is like the online community now with, with sound effects libraries and recordings. And it's incredible to see how that marketplace has just grown exponentially. And it's allowed so much entry, like the entry point to getting into, recorded sounds and, and selling them and making a living off of that. To me, yeah. it's always been fascinating because uh, I love seeing someone say like, oh, do you have this specific thing in this country with this animal and like getting down to the nitty gritty? So for you, how much of your work is relying on pre-existing or like, like how have you, what's the evolution of the de facto sound, 20,000 Hertz sound effects library, you know, all the sounds? Yeah, um, I think the dream was always like we're going to go out and record and build libraries because that's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Yeah. But the reality of us just getting busier and busier and busier and busier uh, on the on the sound design front and the mixing front just 
you know, we don't really dabble in doing that ourselves. So I've really taken the position of, I want to be the first person to come in and buy these things and, and be the, be the source of income for other recordists mm. because I love, um, I love sourcing from the best. <clears throat> it's like, I know that we could go out and do a great recording session, but I also know that like, I don't know, Watson Wu is doing this all the time, like daily, like recording these, these cars. He, he knows like all of the problems and exactly where to find the best sounds. And so I kind of extend that idea to like every other uh, location sound person. When they're th- when you when you're limited to the idea of a microphone and content in the real world, mm-hmm. um, that talent level to capture that as beautifully as possible is through the roof. And so we're always trying to source just the absolute best stuff. Uh, so we're collecting. I mean, we're we're building our library. Um, I mean, today we just bought two libraries. Uh, so when we're just looking for them all the time, and if it works with what we do, and we we see a need for this all the time, we like to be just kind of like on the that side. And of course, we will design our own things too. You know, if we're doing foley, that's usually something we have to perform. If we're building out <clears throat> sound design, I think uh, most of our work is probably pulling from existing libraries. Okay. But we also do a lot of tonal sound design too, like with contact and things like that. That's where we're really build. Or we, we're really building our own sound design when it's when when it's in our studio type of idea. Yeah. Um, do you, but we're do you play any instruments? I played trumpet for most most of my childhood, and that's what took me to college. Yeah, uh, okay. not anymore do, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, are you using any tr- your your trumpet experience in any of your sound work? Then does it show up? I think that the the approach is what shows up, um, okay. not the performance. So uh, that's actually what kind of pivoted me into sound. Is I had a really bad bout of performance anxiety um, in the middle of college that kind mm-hmm. of crippled my trumpet playing. And so I kind of pivoted. I wanted to be a conductor of uh, oh, like wow. a okay. symphony. Yeah. And what's so fascinating is I feel like that's what I do already. Like as a mixer, I feel like a mixer is the equivalent of a conductor uh, in an orchestra. The sound designer is the equivalent of like the performers uh, or actually more like the composer. Um, and so I feel I, there's a ton of parallels between like symphonic uh, performing and 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 creation to sound design and mixing and uh so i think that the approach i come from a very like classically trained background and i and i and i brought that approach into uh kind of the the sound design methodology i guess yeah it's interesting to to, i mean everyone's journey how they arrive i mean it's you know it's 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 always an incredible story when you ask someone how they got into whatever profession and how you continue to be passionate about it i mean that that's like you know when, when i saw you really focus your attention on the podcast with 20,000 Hertz. I was like, oh, like he's not kidding around. Like, because like I went, you look at like the 2016 and you had about five episodes and then 2017, it was like, I don't know, 20 episodes or something. And yeah, it, it was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> 26 so it, every year, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it, it, it became very clear that you were like, no, I want to do this and I want to, you know, I want to do it. The way that I, that like the best way that I, I I see is possible, which um, was so exciting because I just feel like the hardest thing about being a content producer, telling stories like this, is like I said, like the consistency of the frequency and and st- staying with it. You know, so many times I've yeah. seen folks who have asked, you know, oh, I really want to get into you know X, Y, or Z um, types of endeavors when it comes to like online media, and it's like, well, just keep doing it. Like that's the hardest. That that's that's my tip is just like. Don't stop, like don't look back, only just focus on the next story or the next thing that you want to yeah. do because it will get better. And and that's that's been the, the exciting thing to just see the evolution of, uh, you know, all 
the series and de facto and the growth because the potential for just you know so much is 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 i think that's the carrot that you all imagine like that's what you know that's why it's worth it i, I guess yeah yeah i mean content creation in and of itself is just such a beast um, but it's been so helpful. Um, yeah. like I said earlier, like reframing the sound designer's mind from being an hour bubble to really thinking like, like a creator, because I do put a lot of, uh, I mean, a lot of encouragement and kind of pressure on the team to really think outside of what, what they're doing. And that's yeah. hard to do. Like I personally, my brain does not work in storytelling mode if I if I have Pro Tools open at all. I don't know what yeah. happens. I mean, I can see yeah. the story and I can sound design, but I can't tell a story and with seeing a waveform of my voice going by. Like I had to like get a sound devices mix pre off to the side, one single button, record, and then just focus on my thing. I have a rock solid connection <laughs> on this thing. Um, but yeah, so I think just like it serves so many purposes uh, from a business perspective, and um, this is this is really like what stuck with me and, and maybe started pushing the podcast. Um, I heard from a, from a, uh, I don't know, a smart business person somewhere. Uh, I can't remember where it was, but I remember someone saying really smart companies know how to capitalize on their waste. Mm. And as a leader of a sound design studio, <clears throat> our waste who a sound design studio who are waiting for people to send us stuff to, to work on uh, our waste is time. And so when we would have a third of our week or so dedicated to just like backing up and sweeping the floor, like that's not right, yeah, yeah. valuable. Yeah. Like we can still back up with less time or whatnot. And we still make time for that. But, um, but I put up a, I, I essentially put a system in place to where like when I'm stressed out trying to find more work to feed all of us, uh, the whole team knows what they're doing. Like they're, they're buckled down doing the fun, creative stuff. Cause prior to the podcast, they were like, when it was quiet, I was stressed out trying to find more work and they're like, Hey Dallas, what should I be working on? Hey Dallas, what should I be working on? And I'm just like, I got to go get work. Yeah. Um, but now it's like, there's a whole system in place. I go when, when I'm stressed because we don't have much work, the work, the studio is just slammed doing creative stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. And we, and, and po the podcast is one thing that we do creatively. That's like the, the main thing, but mm -hmm. we have a totally different side that we, uh, we started like a year ago, our YouTube channel, and we're just like redesigning like TikTok videos and like random things, like super high quality, just to like completely take it out of context. Uh -huh. And so yeah. everything's like 30 seconds or less. And it's like little audio memes, like the entire YouTube yeah. page. And, and our Instagram, a lot of times are just like audio memes that we make. Yeah. Are, are you the type of person that will carry a recorder with them in their pocket in their car when they go out in the world? I have plenty of friends. I'm just like, wait, wait, why do we need all that? Like, yeah, <laughs> it seems a little, little crazy. So like, how, how are you? I'm not really that. I do see a, uh, a, a point to that for sure. Yeah. Um, my career has really projected into being a little bit of like a, a tour, I guess, maybe mm -hmm. if that's the right word. Um, okay. I'm really like for my life, I'm trying to identify moments of like mindfulness, I guess. And I also, for me, sound is so important that sometimes if I find myself in the woods or at the top of a mountain or by the ocean, I don't want that to feel like work ever in my mm -hmm. life. So I'm a little selfish with those sounds um, because I know that like Gordon Hempton has done it. 
beautifully. Mm-hmm. And I know that like the recordist has done it beautifully. I know that Watson has done it beautifully. I know that, you know, the boom people have done this beautifully and they've spent yeah. so much time. So for me personally, um, I would never discourage or encourage one way or the other. But for me, I think I'm a little bit more selfish with that because when I find moments of amazing sonic, uh, the sonic, amazing sonic moments in the world, I, I kind of selfishly just pull that to myself and become very mindful of the, mm. you know, where I am grounded, stay calm in the moment and enjoy just the vibrations of the earth yeah. vibrating my body and eardrums. I mean, that's something that's, that this year has taught us you know, as we've been forced to self-isolate and have just these distant relationships with work, with friends, with everyone. There's introspective opportunities that we probably never created the time for ourselves. And it's been, it's been really interesting. I remember at the beginning of the year, it was like, ah, now like I get to put my practice to test. Every, everything that I've thought that was going to help me was going to, you know, get me through get me through and then it was like it was this is going well this is fine and then it was just like utter chaos and like completely falling apart and then of course you pick yourself back up and you know figure out how to how to move forward but it's it's been a really interesting year for so many ways and i really hope that people not even like the ask of like they can utilize this time in a productive way because sometimes just sitting on the couch and being bored is the best thing that you can do creatively to to flush out your brain you know, to, to think just like, just get everything out and, and start over. Um, you know, yeah. for you, what's your balance of, of where, where do you find inspiration? Do you find it watching a TV show, movie, music, driving your car? Like, yeah, what, what, what's your go-to? Like, what, what do you know will kind of reset everything for you? I think that kind of becoming conscious in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I've thought about this a lot because I get the question like, what are what are your favorite sounds in the world? Because oh, I God. ask people that a lot. Yeah. Like my favorite sounds are my children laughing mm-hmm. and talking to them, you know, talking to me in conversation. I love those sounds. So I get a lot of uh, just the joy and the innocence in their voice is something that's really powerful. But I don't necessarily, I, for a long time I thought, oh, you know, the sound of the ocean is the best sound, or the sound at the top of a mountain is the best sound, or the sound of nature, which I think you know, is the best general sound. The sound of the earth, we, we're, um, our brains are, uh, are evolved and in tune with the sound of the earth. Like, there is not, you know, once you go up out of the earth, like, sound is pretty much infinitely different or gone. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but I, I think it's less about the... Uh, what you're hearing, but becoming a little conscious about what you're hearing, like becoming grounded and mindful in the moment. Um, You can listen to traffic and just really put all of your focus and energy in your ears and really just enjoy the, just the amazing uh, sense of hearing. Uh, Some people love the sound of like New York City. Some people dislike it. Um, You know, I think just like, you know, it may sometimes in the car, I just will go on long drives and I won't put anything on and I'll just listen mm-hmm. to the car driving um, and just hear breathing and stuff. So I think that like just the sense of hearing is such a powerful sense, especially when you put your consciousness into it and you do conscious listening. Um, mm. That also helps with mindfulness, grounding, grounding. And one of the guests on the show said something really powerful, how she felt like we were going to reach a decibel breaking point at some point. Oh, wow. I don't think we've reached that yet. But you know, <laughs> but what we have reached in 2020 is an attention breaking point. And I think we're all feeling this, where the, the internet and what's coming out of our phones uh, and our computers are so overwhelming for our attention 
that we are now fighting back because we have to. Like it's dire now. And so so finding things that you can escape from and then also just being like mindful and present is is really important in battling that and just kind of getting off of it too. Yeah. And so in, in my lane, sound, I think just kind of conscious listening, just going to sit out on a porch or, or sitting out on, on a on a deck or in the, you know on a balcony or wherever and just be still and mm-hmm. listen even if there's nothing you know that interesting happening it's just like that's important to our brains it's, yeah it's something that i've taken for granted i've been i'm in you know the bay area in northern california in a pretty you know residential quiet area i remember the first time i met one of the re-recording mixers in new york at sound one when it was open and i remember him saying you know to get to work I have to put earplugs in. I have to take the subway. I have to walk through busy streets. And by the time I get to the stage, my ears are, you know, like they're protected and they're ready to listen. Um, yeah. And I, I think um, a lot of people kind of find what that space is for them. You know, now, like here in a home studio, this is my space. I've always worked from home. I've always had a home studio. And uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to step away. I love being, you know, I'm mean, like, introvert extrovert i don't know it's some weird blend like i can do both but i really appreciate just the quiet aspect and and being alone with your thoughts and having a chance just to, to like be in control of like slowing down which is not the case we have kids you know there's kids there's family there's the world is you know the sky is falling like there's a lot yeah. like you're saying a lot of distractions um you know it was interesting looking at one of your ep- a few of your episodes you did the the john cage focused one specific mm-hmm. And the, the the silence one and the sound and silence episode and there's, there's like a a bunch of going back to this well of like silence. So like what I, I had a, a great friend um, Patrick Shen did um, in pursuit of silence, which was a documentary yeah. all about silence. So like I know the topic well, but like what have you discovered about silence that like maybe you didn't know before? Because in the sound world, it's like we're all about the big stuff, but like yeah, you know, it's well, yeah for silence then it's weird that i've become like this the silence person that's that's Mm -hmm. really funny and ironic to me because i think about sound all the time but i did two episodes about silence um over the course of a year so i did Mm -hmm. one that was just called silence and uh i went to the georgia tech research institute and i uh was put into an anechoic chamber for a half hour alone Mm -hmm. with the lights out (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. I, I got to experience at least the closest to true silence that a human can possibly experience on earth. And that was a really profound moment because sound or silence in its true, in its actual true definition state is terrifying uh, mm-hmm. for, for someone, you know, that usually has hearing um, because it, it like for me, I could hear like the blood moving in my body. I could hear high pitched, you know, like your brain is like a, amplifier and like when you have no input it's turning itself up it's over the course of 45 seconds to a couple minutes it's it's slowly creeping up trying to find some sort of input and then you start to hear like i think probably mild tinnitus or something i i would suspect we probably all have that we may not even know it until you're in like an anechoic chamber but so that was a really profound experience but then that coupled that with another show that we did about a year later on John Cage's 433, which is technically, you know, the silent piece. Mm-hmm. What I learned is that like 433 was not about silence. 433 was celebration of sound. Mm-hmm. John Cage was the greatest um, advocate in that piece for the joy and sound of our natural natural world. Mm-hmm. It was, it sounds so 
corny as a silent piece when you look at something on the surface, but the deeper you get into that meaning, uh, the more profound. And what he was trying to communicate is that there's not a, you know, he didn't want, he doesn't like the idea of like, this is music and this is sound. Mm-hmm. He, he thinks that they're much more intertwined together. And 433 was a little bit of a, it was a protest piece because of like the Muzak company. So that was interesting, yeah. mm-hmm. but he really wanted to like, I show people that like, the joy of listening, like the natural world. And so I had a chance to kind of do both of those things in the same year. And that's funny because then I did a TED Talk last year too. And then that turned yeah. into the TED Talk. So like yeah, I've yeah, become yeah. like, who's the, who's the silence person? And I'm like, oh, the sound designer. It's so weird. But it's yeah. so, um, yeah. So that was such a profound. So the definition of silence has been something that I've meditated on for a long a while now. And that's really changed a lot of my perception about kind of what's, good or bad and and I don't really think there is a good or a bad I think it's you know being mindful and present and our attention um mm-hmm. trying to find moments where our attention is just inward and here and present in this in this place yeah um when you were talking about earlier about just the your attention to detail for um for the podcast and um quality and and really spending an incredible amount of time to dial it into a sound and tone that you feel represents kind of like the quality level that you want to do. Um, I guess the question is, is, you know, what is your workflow for doing that when you have, I mean, are your guests always remote? Like, you know, that, that's the incredible thing about with this quarantine is that no one's sharing spaces anymore. You know, yes, there are ways to do remote records with, with studios, but most people are not going to have the capabilities like an ISDN line or, you know, direct feeds and stuff. What have you found has been your process for capturing remote audio and you know what, what? What has it been? What's been revealed? Yeah. So prior to COVID, we would either send a uh, tape sync recordist mm-hmm. directly to the guest mm-hmm. uh, and put a boom mic in front of their face while they record, and then they send it to us. Alternatively, mm-hmm. if they're in the New York in New York City or LA or in a major city, we would find the nearest recording studio and put them in it because we wanted to capture just that high high quality voice. Now, post COVID, obviously that's all out the window. And so um, luckily about a third of our guests are maybe half of our guests uh, have have some sort of microphone at home, whether or not they know how to use it, right. maybe more than half, but maybe a third, a quarter, a third of our guests are sound people, whether they're in music or whatever. And so they're a lot more savvy on this. Um, now we do ask for, uh, even from sound people, even from the best sound people in the world that come on the show, we do ask for samples because you would not believe how badly some of these recordings have come in from very very talented you mean people. like lawnmowers children like uh, i everything. feel like on the soundworks collection show here i should probably <laughs> not dive into this but it's it's amazing like i think that like uh, even kind of attitudes from sound people have been a little flippant when we ask for very high quality stuff and i'm like yeah no that's not acceptable yeah. So, um, so anyway, that's something that like we, we battle a little bit. I think most of the friction actually will come from very like high end sound people are like, just send us a thing. One, two, three done just to make sure yeah. and we'll catch things yeah. even along mm-hmm. the way. Cause you know how it is like nothing goes wrong until you actually have to do it. And we want to yeah. just get all those things out of the way. But beyond that, um, we, uh, even people who just have a microphone, we've sent USB mics to people before too. Um, but then if for some reason somebody's just not tech savvy at all, just like how great our camera is and our phone, um, this microphone is not bad at all. Yeah. It's just the only reason we think it's bad is because we listen over this really, uh, you know, ancient 
yeah. uh, infrastructure. And so if you can tap into this microphone directly, you can get a pretty good recording. And so we've been able to use this in a pinch, either through voice memos by changing the settings to high quality or through an app called TalkSync that, that utilizes this mic directly. There's an Android version of these things, too. Um, so that's been our pinch version. Uh, then the and the other thing is we'll we'll use something called Clean Feed or Zencaster or something to to capture the audio while we're doing backups and stuff. So we have a lot of things like backups and backups yeah. and you know gotchas kind of removed because really dialogue is king and and the better we can capture the voice, the more we can do music and sound design to fill in uh, clarity. Yeah. Um, if you can think back to the first time you were recording your first episode and you had to say hi i'm dallas taylor and to hear your voice and to uh and to have to like kind of like settle in with the idea that oh i have to i'm no longer the uh you know the person behind the scenes i am the i am i'm it yeah what was that process like for you of of leaning into oh i i need to use my voice we can't change our voices everyone no matter who you are is like i hate the sound of my voice i can't (laughs) What was that experience like for you? I hated it. Um, I yeah. still don't love the sound of my voice. There's times where I just have to like, I can't listen to it because I'm reviewing something with me in it or yeah. or whatnot. Uh, early on, I think I was trying to be somebody else in my narration. So much so that we went back and changed. Uh, wow. I went back and re-recorded my narration not too long ago for the first few episodes and re-uploaded it. Okay. Um just because it was just so rough. And I think if you listen to around four episode four, five or six, you kind of hear me go back to that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know. I felt like someone had to do it. And I've, and I think I've heard this idea that um, there is no such thing as like a radio voice. Um, Right. I don't like that. That's again, that's another gatekeepy thing. Like I don't have a radio voice. So it's like, I can't do it. No, we need to hear voices. We need to hear all kinds of voices. We need to hear, all kinds of perspectives. Um, uh, and, and so what you may, what may be like familiar to you is an unfamiliar to someone else. So I, I think that like, I just had faith that as much as it, it is cringy for me to still hear my voice 110 episodes later, um, I, somebody has to do it and it's not about my voice. I mean, I do perform on the show cause I feel like there's a, there's a difference between talking like this and yeah. and being a you know a millimeter away from someone's eardrum and trying to tell them a story, so I'm I'm getting much more in performance mode to do that, and that's yeah. that's important. But I guess I don't know. It's just um, somebody has to do it, and might as well uh, be you. Might as well. Uh, but it's really I, I really try not to think as much about me as a character. I, I don't talk yeah. about myself. I almost right. never give my opinions. I don't yeah. plug the. It's not used to plug de facto sound or anything. It's like all the mission is always hyper focused on. Can my seven year old and four year old daughter listen to this? Can my grandmother listen to this? That's the benchmark. Yeah, that's great. I I, I, I too kind of subscribe to that idea of yeah of not. We're really here, here to tell stories and extend, you know, the and and share and extend the work that other people are, ha, have been doing, you know, that we're inspired by, which is, you know, a big reason why I've I've loved what you guys have been doing now, and um, you know, not getting too in, in, in into the details, but like for podcasts, I remember I, I reached out to you, I'd asked, you know, something just a, a basic question of like, you know, what do you master to? Like, what is the loudness? What is? I mean, you have an episode about loudness too, but like, mm-hmm. you know. What have you found being a pod, taking off your de facto sound hat and being just a podcast producer? What have you found when it comes to like dynamics? And most people are going to be listening on earbuds, you know, or in their car or, you know, when they're 
walking, you know, to their job, like you said, or whatever. Like, yeah. What has it shown you in terms of like producing an audio podcast? Uh, like it's when funny. it comes to like, that, that final deliverable. Yeah. Dynamic range is like, if you want to get into like a big, like mega mm-hmm. audio discussion about de- nuanced details of numbers and this stuff, but have a bunch of audio people like totally be heated about it. This would be like the conversation I would have <laughs> to where other people would be like, what are you talking about? What are you, yeah. you, you all are crazy or something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, what I've learned, cause we, we do so many different things. Like we're doing trailers, uh, like I said, for Netflix and HBO. And sometimes we're doing things for theaters with documentaries. Um, we, uh, so we're, we're use we're kind of bouncing around here, but I'm all, we're always thinking, where is this going to be heard? Um, and so for us with the podcast, we keep a very tight dynamic range because we need yeah. to be able to turn it down and still be able to hear kind of all of the beats in there. And um, because I will sometimes review in my studio with great Genelex, but then I'll mm-hmm. go in my car and it sounds completely different. Really, usually yeah. the music just disappears because, uh, you know, uh, amb- ambient, ambient noise. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if I'm riding in the train or something like that, like all of those things change that earbuds change. But I did do a poll early on. Where are you listening from? And I found mm-hmm. I think I saw 90 percent were on earbuds. So we go, yeah. OK, we need to focus on these earbuds mixing because i've always felt like a lot of podcasts were really bright and brittle and they hurt in the earbuds they sound good on a studio monitor not in the earbuds so sometimes we'll get guests or we'll get listeners that will write in and be like why is your show so boomy and i was like where are you listening let me guess in your car and you have an upgraded uh, sound system and they're always like yeah how did you know and i'm like because these things because just like we're marketing to other people your sound system is a marketing tool sound is like so messed up in marketing you know if you want to like make a headphone brand and I mean that people do this and I'm not going to call anybody out, but like if you want to make a headphone brand or just like yeah. a speaker brand and, and make it sound better, just juice up the bass done. Like, and it's just like, and it's not flat. Like that's not the point. And so there's a little bit of like a, like a curve race that's almost happening with, with stuff. So anyway, back to dynamic range. Um, yeah. I think it all just depends on where it's going. Uh, that's really the key. I mean, we all know the, the issue like a Christopher Nolan type of movie or something. And I'm sure you have, you've had them on, but um, but where they're talking about, you know, loud effects and music and then quiet dialogue, da 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 We kind of just, you know, we're much more small screen. Uh, the whole studio is very focused on the small screen here. We're not doing anything for big giant theaters unless it happens to be like a, 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 a big feature documentary that just happens to get into a festival that just happens to go to a theater run. We're doing everything else outside of uh, that. We also don't do, generally you don't do shows. Uh, we are kind of all the advertising, the short form, uh, all those things. And so we're, we're thinking very small screen, very small. Uh, so generally most of the stuff we're doing is going to be much tighter dynamic range. We're trying to mm. figure out how to give the appearance or have the appearance of dynamic range, uh, with not much dynamic range, like a car spot. Mm. They're so hard. Like we're having to hit like hard this and hard this and then quiet this and this, but then we also all have to be at like negative you know, 24 at the end of the day. And it's just like impossible. (laughs) Uh, So we're always trying to like figure that out. Uh, But the podcast, I think we're at like negative 16 overall. And uh, we stitch in all the ads. So it's super important that we're rock solid on that number uh, because more often it's not necessarily about the listening experience, but it's more about stitching in all of these ads at totally different time periods of time. Uh, So at any moment I could go and change every ad in the entire show um, when one fell swoop and it just needs to feel seamless. Yeah, it's been an incredible. I mean, 
I started the Soundworks Collection as a video series. And then, and then I remember the first time someone, uh, it was Martin Hernandez for Birdman reached out and, and he was in Mexico City. And he's like, would you want to do a story on us? I'm like, I, I can't go to Mexico City. I would love to go visit you. But I, I just can't. So like, how about we do an audio podcast? And that was, I just kind of like got into audio podcasts then. And now it's, I think that was 2014. And, and then, and then basically the reason why I mentioned this is I didn't really, I didn't really want to go into audio podcasts. I just, I think people like the convenience of remote inter, you know conversations like i'm so excited now that we're i finally started going back to video and doing these video conversations um but i i just remember the long form aspect it's unedited i mean at least for me it's conversational it's unedited um you know it's an opportunity to have a longer you know less refined you know just yeah. kind of something that you'd have with a friend when you're at, at a bar and you know catching up it's it's those types of conversations that the podcast allowed, which I didn't really see elsewhere. Like all the media online was so short. It was, you know, 60 seconds, two minutes, three minutes, and it's very quick and you can't really walk away with with anything and the personality kind of gets gets lost. Um, totally, you know, yeah. What are, you, what are you excited about, you know, looking ahead here? I mean, here we are, November of 2020. Um, it, it was very recently that you joined the, um, the TED family, um, which has had an incredible track record of, you know, just elevating the storytelling platform of highlighting things, these small corners of the world that we've never known about. Like, what what is it that you're looking besides your long list of podcast topics? Like, what 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 else is catching your attention? What else are you excited about? Um, oof. Uh, the great thing is, is like my hobby is what I'm doing, and that's yeah. really great. Like both on the de facto side and the twenty thousand hertz side. So as far as like putting my mind into something. Um, it's that. <laughs> so okay. as far as like what I'm looking forward to on those fronts, I mean, outside of the family, I mean, um, I'm, I'm our whole team, like I'm very like work life balance focused. Like we're mm -hmm. out the door at the exact time. Um, you know, I, I love cooking and I love all that stuff to, mm -hmm. to settle me down. But as far as what I'm looking forward to, um, next year, in addition to the studio, I think we have some really, we've, we know how to make a great podcast now. And so now it's it, we're hitting a phase that's relatively new where we know how to make a great show, but we're trying to entertain ourselves. And yeah. so we're doing things that are a little bit, we're taking much more risks and trying to do things that just give us little chuckles, whether or not someone catches it or not. Mm -hmm. And so um, whether it be putting Easter eggs in it or um, like back in the day, we put like a secret message, an ultrasonic message in the show and stuff. So like, I don't know, like little nods to people who can actually bring things into a, into a DAW or something or just doing goofy things that I've never really heard on podcasts before, whether it be goofy or serious or, or whatnot. So I think I'm just excited about we're going to slow down our schedule. We've been going weekly recently. Yeah. Uh, we're going to slow down the schedule to go back to, to every other week and, and really put m even more time into um, these shows uh, than what we've even had in the past. So these 250 hours, I think that like really making I mean, I, fe I feel like most of the shows like I feel very f confident in them, but I, I just want to. I don't know. I just really look forward to just like we have some wild shows coming up that are really side. Some that are very straightforward, like oh, the sound of X, um, the the voice artist of this or this show or the the, the thing. But we also have kind of some left field, kind of just like uh, I don't know how that's going to work type of shows that are going to force us to kind of make things that are that are that are unique, but are still going to be in the you know spirit of of um, uh, amplifying kind of the sound 
uh, love and world that I've come out of. That's so awesome. Dallas, I could go on forever. Um, and I could too. Maybe yeah. we'll, we'll do a follow-up <laughs> at some point. But um, for folks, obviously, who want to follow the podcast, 20k.org is a great place to start. And obviously, on all the obvious places for the podcast, check check out that. Is it and it's all spelled out yeah. in the podcast. 20,000 hertz, all letters, no, yeah. numbers. no numbers. In any podcast player. Yeah. And then defactosound.com. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. And Instagram's also fun. And the DeFacto Sound YouTube is also very goofy. Um, so if you're into those two platforms, uh, we try to be a little unique over there too. So those are fun. I love it. Well, Dallas, thank you so much for, um, for allowing me to just reconnect with you and catch up and just celebrate all this incredible work that you guys have been doing. And I'm so excited for the future. Um, I'm a, I'm an optimistic through and through, and I just, I can't wait to see what you guys have in store. So, uh, keep doing what you're doing because it's 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 enjoyed by so many people so thank you thanks again. and thank you for starting a lot of this stuff like you <laughs> showed how cool this world was to normal people and i'm just kind of trying to do that in my own way so Dude, it's a real yeah. honor to be here and chat with you thank you man my pleasure <laughs>